we now rejoin our conversation with author Stephen Gray. With all the, the different substances that people have used, and, and you've done your research and everything on it, I want to talk about a, a couple. We've mentioned cannabis, we've mentioned LSD, psilocybin, ayahuasca. In your experience, what what is the most spiritual that you've seen? Where have you seen the most change with people? Because I'm just going to follow up. My next question is about your book where you wrote how psychedelics can help the wor- world. I noticed how you put can help, not will help. You know, it can help. So I'm interested. What, how can it help? Like in which, which substances do you, are, are is there any specifics that you're referring to or is it just psychedelics as a whole? Or do you believe in certain ones that have a better and more bigger impact? And then how? Yeah. How? Okay, sure. Well, let's take them all as a, as a, as a group first in terms of the title of the book and what you just asked. Um, uh, and it's, and we really actually have been talking about it already. Um, so one way that I like to, uh, think of our situation is that as a metaphor, when a patient is in a, an extreme or advanced state of illness, strong medicines are required typically, right? You know, with cancer or whatever. So metaphorically speaking, that's the state I would say the planet is in and psychedelics used with intention, skill, right container, et cetera, et cetera, as we've been talking about, have the potential of opening us up uh, to unconditional reality. And they have this other function which goes hand in hand with that. It's not really a separate function, but they're, they're, they potentially function as truth serums. So when I mentioned earlier the, the kind of the integration or ongoing uh, work is, is an honest self-examination, not trying to run away from the shadow side or the dark side of ourselves, but allow ourselves to see them so that they can dissipate, you know, and that they aren't driving us unconsciously to do limited things or stupid things or cruel things or ignorant things or insensitive things or whatever. Psychedelics have that potential for this, you know, very ill patient, if you will, to open things up. And we need that now. They show us you know, what, one little metaphor or way that I, I, I kind of am, I, I th- think of humanity is it's, it's as if we're all walking around kind of looking down at the ground in our heads, thinking about what's going on in our lives. And just above us are the angels or the light or the divine white light or whatever. And it's like, oh, it's right there, but we're not paying attention to it, right? And so psychedelics remind you that it's there potentially, right? They're not the only path. Uh, you know, there are other ways to do that without the medicines, but I think especially given our dire condition, you know, climate-wise and all the chaos and uncertainty and rapid changes in technology that are disrupting on many levels, both, you know, good and bad, so to speak, you know, chat GPT. I just noticed that uh, a group of well over a thousand tech, tech experts and researchers, including Elon Musk, have called for a pause on uh, developments in AI that would take chat GPT for even farther for the moment while we look at safety protocols and all this. So don't want to get lost in that topic, but basically we're we're facing um, un, what you might call unprecedented crises on the planet. Now, some skeptics or cynics might say, oh yeah, there's always cycles and we've, you know, humanity's been through this before and maybe on some level, but the population has exponentially increased uh, over the last thousand or more years. We've never been in a situation where we have covered essentially the whole planet and we're overrunning the place and we're deteriorating, causing 
you know, immense and rapid deterioration. This is truly an unprecedented moment. And then you add in the fact, and this is part of the book too, there are four or five indigenous contributors, and even those who are not particularly quote-unquote indigenous in the book um, are aware of this issue and talking about it, which is that not only have we reached this kind of crisis nexus point on the planet, but there are uh, people have had visions about this. Chris Bache wrote the first chapter in the book, and Chris is amazing. I, if I had more time, I'd tell you how he came, where this stuff came from. But he was downloading information in twenty-year journey of or period of seventy-three high-dose LSD sessions, Ooh. carefully constructed with uh, you know headphones and you know eye coverings and and a, and a sitter and stuff like that and. Um, 73 high dose. 73 over a 20 year period. He's a retired oh. uh, university professor. It's a, he's, he's got a wonderful book called LSD in the Mind of the Universe. Anyway, especially during the latter third or so of that 20 year journey, he started to re receive messages from what he called the vast intelligence intelligences of the universe that we are currently going through a death and rebirth trajectory or cycle on the planet. The death part is that there has to be a falling away in the same sense as the individual ego has to let, you know, has to dissolve in that sense um, to make space for a new vision or a new awakening. Chris uses the term the birth of the future human. So the death part is is what's happening now. And, and this is actually, I, I want to say this is actually possibly the number one reason for this, the existence of this book, How Psychedelics Can Help Save the World Altogether, which is that I, I'm pretty sure it'd be nice to be wrong, actually, but I'm pretty sure, and this isn't just something I made up by any stretch of the imagination, that we that in that material conditions on the planet are going to become more difficult, not least because of rapid climate change, but also other factors that are you know, driving people into crazy places and increasing levels of depression and anxiety and all that. So it may look like death and doomsday. You know, people often use the metaphor of birth. If you didn't know what birth was, if you came from another planet where people didn't have that kind of birth and you saw the birth process, you know, the hours leading up to it and the birth, you'd think, oh my God, this is terrible. There's yes. incredible pain and there's shrieking and screaming and then, and then there's blood and mucus everywhere and you know, this little creature comes out screaming and red-faced. <laughs> so you go, oh, this is terrible. Well, that's kind of what's happening now. But if you don't know that new life comes from that process, then your level of um, fear, anxiety, depression, etc., is quite possibly going to keep getting worse. I, I'm sorry to have to say that in a way. I, I just want to point, I just want people to know that uh, we want people to know this is a process that has been envisioned by many psychonauts, many mystics, and in fact has been prophesied by, prophesied by indigenous cultures from many parts of the world for 500 years or longer that we have come to this point. They were saying that we were going to come to this point around about now and that it's, a, as one of the contributors to the book calls it, the turning of the soil. You know, there's a there's a revolution of consciousness transformation that is happening and has to happen and can happen and can produce the birth of the future human. And that's essentially why the book. Now, as far as your question about individual psychedelics, one versus another or over another, whatever, that's kind of like another whole interview in itself, potentially. Um, they all have slightly different ways of doing things. 
they all, you know, there's actually a lot that aren't even really talked about, you know, in different plants from around the planet, but of the sort of well-known ones, the major ones, ayahuasca, LSD, peyote, psilocybin, DMT, 5-MeO, DMT, San Pedro, forward slash, Huachuma cactus, etc., cannabis, salvia divinorum, actually. They all have different ways of functioning, but they all potentially do that job of truth serum and ego dissolution when they're done safely, uh, properly, skillfully, etc. So, you know, beyond that, you know, one would have to kind of go into it, but they, you know, like both ayahuasca, the DMT-containing plant, and psilocybin, for example, are tryptamine hallucinogens. They work on the same receptors and so on and so on. LSD, somewhat similar. Huachuma actually has the same uh, they're they're sl- they're somewhat different chemically. Um, peyote and and Huachuma, San Pedro cactus. Their primary psychoactive alkaloid is mescaline, which is not a tryptamine hallucinogen, if I've got that correctly. But it still has the same function. Um, opens you up into reality, into the true space. You know, uh, for example, let's make this one real brief. I used, as you mentioned, in one of them, uh, the roadman, the man who was leading it, Canucus uh, Littlefish. Uh, there were about five or six new people who had never been to one in the teepee that night. There's maybe 40 people in the teepee or whatever, uh, various levels of previous experience. Ken Canucas looked at this, the, sort of looked around the teepee in the morning when people talk, you know, after things have kind of settled down, all-night ceremony, blah, blah. He said, well, you new people here might wonder what happened last night. He said, well, the next six months or so, you're going to be finding out more about that for yourself anyway. However, I'll tell you that what you experienced last night was reality. So it's as simple as that. You know, the medicines open up parts of our brain that are existent already in a sense, right? That's what I said earlier, that they're very simpatico with brain chemistry, non-toxic for the most part, etc. And so they open up parts that you might say are have been shut down, but are there already. That's that the Buddha natural already existing awakened quality, right? So that's the the sort of the uh, you know in our limited time here, uh, Bryce. I think rather than going into, uh, I mean, I'm I'm you know if you have time, I'm happy. Well, yeah, maybe I would love. But I know about any of the Brits. Yeah, be if you're down now, I'm on. We could really dive into this. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, there's lots more to be said about these, yeah. um, and and also you know issues to do with how to proceed with the uh, how best to proceed with this psychedelic renaissance is another that was important. That was my last question for you. So go ahead. My my last question for you today, yeah. and, and I do, Stephen. Thank you so much. I would if you're down, I would love to have you back on again, maybe in a couple yeah, sure. months, and and really dive into some of these because it's just even just personal interest for me. I love uh-huh. about the different substances, but yeah, that was my last even, question. Yeah, even cannabis. It is. Yeah, sure. Even okay. cannabis, um, you know, could uh, deserves uh, uh, you know a proper hearing as a spiritual medicine as well. And as you know, I have this previous book, Cannabis and Spirituality. So there's reasons to really make that clear as well as how that plant can be best used as a spiritual ally. I think it would be again arrogant and deluded of me to think that I have the answer about, in a sense, how to best proceed with the psychedelic renaissance. I would say. You know, just tossing off a few things, humility, respect, watch out for corporate greed, capitalizing on these things. There's a lot of people that, you know, for example, you can't patent psilocybin. So there are, there are you know, corporations that are working with pharmaceutical researchers, et cetera, to come up with close analogs, you know, just change a molecule or two to make it something else that you can patent. Well, that's a 
that's a dubious project as far as I'm concerned. It tends to speak uh, of human uh, hubris, for example, and materialism, dollar signs in the eyes kind of things. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's reason to watch out for that. There's reasons to watch out for the kind of exclusive control that can be exerted by governmental and medical establishments, you know, like where only doctors, for example, are allowed to administer these kinds of things. Ketamine is a really interesting example. There are lots of people doing really interesting work with ketamine these days, uh, therapists, psychotherapists, m medical doctors. But, but at the same time, in the United States, because it's legal, you don't. You can be a medical doctor, or I'm not sure all of the different kinds of certifications that allow people to work with ketamine. But you can you can work with it therapeutically with zero experience and training as a therapist. You know, you can just administer it and you know charge hundreds of dollars or whatever it is. So I think a real key there is respect, humility, reciprocity, like recognizing where these things come from, being aware that they are endangered in some cases. Uh, Huachuma, San Pedro, is endangered in its homeland of Peru, or it's not the only country, but it's more than any place comes from Peru, and it's endangered there, and it's being corrupted in the way that it's being dealt with, you know, for money, et cetera, et cetera. Iboga is another one that, you know, they're not even allowing, uh, Iboga is an amazing plant. We, we really should do this again. Cause yes, we, we should. I really want to. We go into these, because Iboga comes from Western Equatorial Africa, and there's a lot of poachers now. Um, these It comes from a shrub, and it takes a long time to regrow, Right. So they're poachers that because they see money, of course. You know, what do you expect? Yeah. They're poor in a country like that. They want to make money. I, I don't, in a sense, blame them, but it's 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 a it's serious problem. And I think recently, if I'm not mistaken, the country of Gabon, where Iboga is is legal, I've banned the export of it. So, and then uh, peyote is another one that's endangered. We that's another just another aspect of this is having respect for these things, not treating them as you know candy or potato chips or yeah. you know some kind of commodification, feed me kind of thing, like uh, Nirvana said back in the early nineties, <laughs> entertain us. <laughs> so I, yes, you also do music as well, don't you? Uh, yeah, bring that up. Yeah, mostly just on my my own, you know, jamming with friends occasionally. I, I had a group at one point. We rose to the lofty heights of the bottom rung of the ladder of success a couple of times, but played in clubs and things. But that's about it. Mostly, I just get together these days. I mostly just get together with my buddy Adrian on the weekends, and we make it into a kind of ceremony light, is the L I T E kind of idea that I okay. that I that I like to describe it as, where we we actually treat it as a kind of a ceremony. We start a start it with a gong. We sit in silence for a few minutes. We say some prayers and dedications for friends that need it. Then we have literally one or two tokes. And then sit in silence with that to connect with Santa Maria, the spirit of the plant, to the greatest degree that we can. And then we try to bring that sense of um, uh, heart, surrendered, openness, um, connection to playing uh, music. We both play guitar and sing, do harmonies with each other, do solos, stuff like that. We do that for 45 minutes to an hour, and then we repeat that process. Maybe have another toke and sit in silence again. So... Yeah, I'm not even sure why I said that, but yeah, that's the no. Most, I love yeah. hearing that. That's <laughs> neat. That's uh, Stephen. It's been great talking to you today, and just from someone that you, I can really tell, loves and cares for these plants and these substances, and and wants to see them used to the to the 
greatest benefit that they can. And even in your own personal life, when you're describing that, that's beautiful. Like that whole, that is, that is beautiful. And that's, uh, so my best, my most, I use cannabis as medicine in my daily life, but mm-hmm. my, my best memories and best times is sharing it with a friend and just sitting down a couple tokes, share a small joint or a bowl. And then just the conversation that comes after that, you know, and just the, the closeness that you feel with that person. It's, it's brought, cannabis has brought me very close to several people mm-hmm. in my life too. And I have some of my best friends is because of cannabis. So maybe one day I would get the pleasure to sit down and, and take a couple tokes with you and just let you hear your wisdom that you have. And I really do. We'll, we'll schedule it with the production team, but I would love to get another episode with you and just let you go. You know, you can give me, we'll compile the list together of the substances or you can just share it to me, but then just let you explain. Cause I don't want to stop right now. I just want to hear more. I mean, that the one in Africa, what did you call that one again? I've never heard of that. What's the that? shrub in the shrub in Africa? What was that? Some called? people pronounce it iboga. I pronounce it iboga, which spelled I B O G A. Oh, it's an amazing substance. Um, it's I've a, never it, heard of that. It's it's the scrapings off the uh, off the root of this shrub in uh, that's a natural habitat is uh, as I said, uh, Western Equatorial Africa. Actually, like 150 years ago or so, someone isolated the psychoactive, um, primary psychoactive uh, alkaloid and called it ibogaine. And ibogaine is being used in uh, um, ac- addiction treatment clinics with... Um, yeah, I'd say I've heard of that. Potential, yeah. Iboga itself, there's a religion in Gabon called Bwiti, B-W-I-T-I, which has uh, over 3 million adherents, I believe. As I said earlier, it's legal in that country, and they use it as an initiation where they'll take like the, when you know, when cultures are going on unbroken, so to speak, um, they would bring young people in say, in their adolescent years, they do this elaborate preparations for weeks ahead of the time, and then they have this you know, ceremony for a couple of days. Iboga lasts for a long time, much more than even LSD, for example, and it's to initiate them into what they call being a real person. And then uh, the rest of their lives, they may not really do that sort of full-on ego-dissolving kind of dose again. They may only do maintenance doses while they bring other people in. Iboga is also being used by people in psycho-spiritual contexts, you know, ceremonial circles and so on. In general, it's a little, um, it's not a particularly gentle medicine in a way, but in general, <laughs> it tends to be milder than the ibogaine, which is highly concentrated. I don't know if ibogaine is easily found on internet, but I would caution anyone against uh, no. doing that because it actually has, uh, there are occasional instant incidences of um, uh, fatality very powerful substance. It can last 24, 30 hours, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah if you're not yeah. prepared for that, that might not. I yeah. But it's, but it's, it's shown remarkable potential, as I say, in, um, in, uh, addiction in particular, because it, um, they say that it brings down a movie screen kind of is a metaphor where almost maybe even visually, literally for some people. And they, if they're, if they're an addict, um, people have talked about how it can, it can show you the places in your, say, early childhood or whatever, where you, in a sense, turned away from yourself or, or you know, blocked off your natural development because of, a, you know, either acute or chronic uh, trauma that you were living through, right? Abandonment, abusive parents, whatever. And, and then you're constantly having to avoid that pain. And that's why you're taking that drug for the most part. I know this is a bit of a simplistic analysis, but you know, that's kind of the overall picture is that, you know, 
you're, you want to feel good, you want to feel comfortable, et cetera. So you have your substance and then that works for a little while maybe, but then, you know, it doesn't work <laughs> as soon as it's over and you have to do it again and again and again and again. But in the meantime, what you're doing is you're pushing away that suffering that maybe started when you were a wee kid or whatever. And Ibogaine and other psychedelics for that matter, but Ibogaine is particularly powerful at um, showing you that and giving you a chance to bring it up and release it. So they, they, they take people in for a week or two oftentimes in these clinics. So, you know, they really have, they work with therapists and they have, you know, medical staff around for safety and all that kind of thing, right? Very interesting substance with great potential. Yeah. Yeah. We, I, I'd love to talk more about these, you know, MDMA, for example, has its own thing. It's, yes. it's considered a synthetic, but it's actually a semi-synthetic as is LSD. Cannabis, you know, deserves a good hearing. You know, one you, you you spoke a few moments ago about the way that you use it with friends occasionally, and there's another level of that which is learning how to silence the mind with cannabis. Because as I was saying earlier, that's where the ego dissolution part comes in. You know, the wonderful old mystic poet, Persian mystic poet Rumi, has talked about that a lot in his little poems. He says, "Silence is the language of God. All else is poor translation." Or things like, don't let your thoughts cover the moon of your heart. Let go of thinking to enter into the core of life, this kind of thing, right? Um, I'm wishing together a few different of his little quatrains and what, but, um, whatnot. But that's, that's the point, is that um, we need to allow space in our minds um, to open up to our true nature. Um, so cannabis, it's a challenge for a lot of people, but cannabis can do that with the right kind of intention, uh, skill, and practice. It's amazing. Too many times in our daily life now as humans, we just were busy, 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 and we never yeah. take time to just be quiet and be still. That's, I would say, essential for our future. It is. You know, that we slow down, look around, yeah. uh, learn to uh, appreciate the redness of red and the blueness of blue. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Stephen, thank you so much. I look forward to the next time that we can get together and talk. Uh, you have a wonderful day. I appreciate it. And and best of luck in, in the future endeavors that you do. And I, you have greatly interested me. And so I'll be honest, I have not read the book all the way through. I'd read some excerpts, but I'm going back and, and reading through cannabis and spirituality and your how can psychedelics save, how can they help save the world? I'm definitely going to go back and, and read all the way through that. And so thank you for your contributions. Thank you for today. And I look forward to having you back on the Cultural High podcast next time. Sure. And thanks for your interest, Bryce. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.